Whether you're picking and grinning or just picking or just grinning, grab a drink, pull up a seat. It's time for Roots Music Rambling. Turn it up. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. <laughs> did you get to four? Did you get crunked over the uh, the weekend? <laughs> no, that's amateur no. night. Yeah, I'm too is. old for that. Yeah, we're we're old too. I, I was probably in bed by ten, so I don't need to count to figure out that's a new year. So whatever. But it's um it's kind of nice where I am in the city. Um, lots of Irish pubs, but one of them does an Irish New Year. No, nice. So, um, you know, you can go to the pub and then they do the countdown for when it hits midnight in Dublin and then everyone celebrates the new year and then everybody goes home and has passed out by eight o'clock. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, I wish I had one of those around here. <laughs> well, anyway, so happy new year uh, to all of you out there, uh, in listener and viewer land. Welcome to another episode of Roots Music Rambler. Um, I, uh, this is, uh, really, this is our second show after the, uh, the holiday, uh, after the Christmas holiday. And I have been feasting on, uh, my, uh, a lot of my new vinyl collection. I got a lot of vinyl for the holidays and some new stereo components. So, um, at some point I'll be in the show and I'll turn everything on over here and blast it and it'll be fun, but whatever. Um, but I, as I was doing that and going through, you know, some of the new albums and whatnot, I was curious about your collection and or how you listen to music, Frank. So tell me a little bit more about your all's setup there in the Chicago's. Well, my setup is not my setup. It's Tom's setup. Okay. So, um, you know how people say like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to date that person or get involved with this person. They have a lot of baggage. So Tom's baggage is um, stacks and stacks of records. Okay. Nice. So um, they all came along with him. He, they were part of the deal. Yep. So um, I don't even know how many records he has. I had no, I had zero vinyl before. Mm. Um it wasn't just, it just wasn't something that I was interested in. I mean, I've always loved music, but I was content with, well, you know, back in the eighties, nineties, I was content with cassettes and then mm -hmm. CDs. And then it took me a bit to get into the whole downloading and streaming, mostly because I was uh, intimidated by the technology, the technological aspects of it all. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's pretty much what I do nowadays. Uh, pretty much all digital um, although I have my, my own little vinyl collection has increased, um, thanks to Tom. And then, um, so, oh yeah, he totally blew the, blew the cover on what he got me for Christmas because he forgot he added me to this Facebook group, um, called the record bin. And so he went to the record store and was so proud of himself and couldn't wait to post on Facebook, like the, <laughs> all that he picked up and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I also got one for my wife, uh, you know, her favorite band, Sunvolt and this and that. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, so, and I commented, so this is what I'm getting for Christmas. This was before Christmas, right? This yeah. was before Christmas. Yes. Awesome. So I, um, he blew it. He's like, I forgot I added you to that group. So, nice. um, yeah, I got the latest Sunvolt album, uh, Day of the Doug, 
which okay. is a, a tribute album to Doug Sam. And um, it's, I mean, it's good. It's really good. I already, you know, I had it pre-ordered. So when <laughs> um, it was released back in June, I don't even remember the month, but it was, you know, it just showed up on my phone. So it was great. And I could listen to it immediately and yeah. anywhere that I wanted. So um, yeah, so my little collection is growing, but nothing compares to Tom's. Well, we, we're probably in the same boat then uh, based on our significant others, because I had a, I got my, my kids got me one of those little, you know, suitcase Crosley turntables mm -hmm. a couple yep. years ago for Christmas. I'd always wanted to kind of get back into vinyl. So I had one and I probably had, I don't know, 15 or 20 albums. I just started with the big ones, you know, Pink Floyd and sure. Led Zeppelin and the Eagles and stuff like that, just to have, you know, a vinyl collection. And I would, you know, go to the record store and buy one or two here or there. But then when I started dating Karen, Karen probably has the equivalent to Tom's collection. I'm sure there's differences. Sounds I don't like know. It. So Karen is a big, big vinyl. She's got a really nice expensive turntable and a really nice, you know, stereo cabinet and, you know, rows of vinyl. So just based on that, I started and, and based on Roots Music Rambler, which kind of started about the same time that Karen mm -hmm. and I started dating, I started saying, well, I want to, I want to upgrade my home stereo and I want to, I want to buy a bunch more vinyl. And so I ordered a new stereo cabinet, put that together. And so that was kind of my, my Christmas wish list was all that sort of home vinyl experience. And it was just really interesting. I got, I just got back into listening to records that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I had a really nice, uh, I got a nice take for the yeah. holidays. Got some, good. got some, most of the albums that we talk about, most of the artists that sure. we talk about, I basically have kind of, you know, backfilled my catalog, Yeah, which is good. And we I've also started a, paying a lot more visits to the local record stores, which I'm, which, I'm proud to frequent them, those for sure. know, small, small local businesses. So We have a couple near us that are really, really fun, um, just really nice, deep collections. Um, <clears throat> but we have, in the living room, we have a whole setup. Um, then there's a separate setup. And again, this all came with Tom. <laughs> um, so we have, there's another setup in my daughter's bedroom. So she has her own vinyl collection um i think i'm just gonna go get like my own little studio apartment for me and like my desk because i'm a minimalist <laughs> and uh <laughs> this is a this is a little insane but nice. anyway um and then i think there's another there's another setup around here somewhere it's just not all connected so there you go. well it sounds like you've got uh, all that you need to um do all your research for the show which is good so i like that yeah um, actually, before the holidays, uh, around Thanksgiving, uh, I went to see my mom in eastern Kentucky, and I raided her vinyl collection. Um, and fun. and because I wanted to go back and find some of those, you know, the old old John Prine. We mentioned Psycon. I wanted to try to find some of those old vinyl albums that I grew up listening to when they would, you know, they would be at work, and I would just play records at the house. So I found, you know, several of those. She also had my grandmother's vinyl collection so she had like floyd kramer and a bunch of readers digest you know big you know four album set bound things and she had like the oklahoma soundtrack from 1968 or something the broadway oh, wow. show yeah. and it was it was still uh it was still sealed it was in its original cellophane hadn't even been opened so there's some really weird stuff but what i wanted to share with everybody which i, I think i shared this on social media but my mom pulls out and goes, well, here's my Loretta Lynn album that's autographed 
Like what? So she has the Loretta Lynn Conway Twitty album. She was somewhere where Loretta Lynn was and she signed it for her. And then she goes, and then she goes, Oh, I've got some uh, Ralph Stanley albums too, that are signed. And she pulls out four Ralph Stanley albums including the one where Keith Whitley and Ricky Skaggs are in the Clinch Mountain Boys on the cover. They're like 18. Can't even tell it's them. It's signed, and it's signed Dr. Ralph Stanley because he had just recently at that time been given an honorary doctorate to some university, and he was signing his name Dr. Ralph Stanley. And mom was just like, oh, by the way, you know, like no big deal. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I got these four Ralph Stanley albums autographed. Like, four signed Ralph Stanley. Are you crazy? So my mom has this just in- interesting class. So I, I I took all the Ralph Stanleys. I left her with the Loretta Lynn. She can hold on to that. But sure. I'm obviously going to scavenge that when when the time comes. Um, but I, I ended cool. up taking I ended up taking all of her Willie Nelson albums. She had all all the uh, Willie Nelson albums, and she had uh, she had Willie Nelson's Christmas album. So I got to hear Pretty Paper again, which I hadn't heard in 30 years. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I had a I had a good uh, a good raid of mom's vinyl collection when I Did went. Did you home. find any KTEL records? Ooh, you remember wow. those? I do remember those. I don't know if any of them are KTEL, but I'm going to go back and look now because I bet there's there probably were some. I remember probably not like that every I grabbed, time but. there was a new KTEL. Like I, I just felt, and I was had. I mean, I was barely a teenager. Um, but I just felt like those offered a little bit of variety. You could like get a taste of a bunch of different, um, things, right. Different artists Mm -hmm. and songs and stuff. So I always liked the KTEL records. And then I also do, I do remember, you know, the eight tracks. Oh yeah. I also, uh, re, uh, uh, re possessed from my mother, my chipmunk punk album. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Welcome to Roots Music Rambler. She's Frank. He's Falls. And we're rambling on through the stories behind the music we love. Uh, Today on the show, we talk to country artist Ashley Best. He's a singer-songwriter from Ohio who has a heck of a story. So we're going to talk to him about his journey, what influences uh, gave him inspiration for his music. Yep. uh, And that is, you know, includes individuals and his own life experiences. Yeah. He, he's got one of those great stories of someone who started out going after a music career as a young man, then life got in the way. His first wife, unfortunately passed away, suddenly left him as a widow with two young daughters, had some struggles with alcohol. He got remarried, became a dairy farmer. Then the dairy business tanked. So yeah, he's got an interesting story. At one point he gave up on music, right? Yeah. He, he, I think it was the alcohol post, you know, wife dying. He kind of put it down and, and, and stopped writing and performing for a while, but picked it up again. He's back at it. He released an EP in 2018. Uh, then his first full album in 2022, he's out there playing up all those honky tonks and music venues again. And we're, we're really enjoying his sound and his songs. He's got a very unique voice, um, and he's a country artist, but he mixes in rockabilly. He mixes yeah. in a little bit of blues. He's got a really interesting sound and a really interesting voice. So, and his stories uh, are relatable. They're very relatable. And uh, you're going to love this interview. I mean, he really is a genuinely good dude. Um, and so that's who we've got on the show today. And of course, we'll also share our weekly pick in the grinning where we share our picks 
for whose music is making us grin the most this week. Might be new artists, might be old artists, but they'll all be good. And before we kick it all off, though. Jason Isbell has new teeth. <laughs> what? I, oh, I my mean, goodness. It, Wait, I was, first of all, disclosure. When I did not choose this shirt to wear for this episode, because <laughs> I knew we were going to be talking about this, this, this was not planned. Right. Okay? Right. And for those I, of you that can't see the video, I'm wearing my, my very first, uh, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit t-shirt that I got probably six, seven years ago. So, yeah. So this, the, by the time this episode airs, this is a little old news. Yeah. Uh, but I'm fl- thumbing through Instagram, you know, a few weeks ago right around the Thanksgiving holiday. And it was right around the time uh, that uh, the, the, the movie uh, flower moon, Moon. killer of the flower moon came out. So Jason Isbell's now got this big prominent Hollywood role in a big Hollywood film with Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thumbing through Instagram and I look at this picture and I'm like, and Karen's like, what are you looking at? I said, I think Jason Isbell got his teeth done. And sure enough, he did. He got his teeth done, which his teeth, his smile was kind of an identifying feature, not to say that there's no criticism there. I mean, I'm good for him. If he wanted them done, go get them done. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm curious, uh, Francesca, what were your thoughts when you saw it first? I was very shocked. You know, I follow Jason on, you know, all the social platforms that he's on and um, he's very active on Twitter or X and um <clears throat> I don't know if I should really admit to this or say it out loud, but I have notifications set from X that I get, I get dinged every time Jason Isbell posts. So, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I keep up with all of his tweets or do we even call him tweets anymore? What, what is it? It's so stupid. What posts? Call call it, just call it tweets. It's, I I don't care if they change the damn name of it. It's still Twitter. Okay, fine. Cause X is stupid. But anyway, um, so, and I don't recall ever seeing anything about Jason getting new teeth, you know, so it was a big surprise. Um, yeah. And just like you, I was looking at social media, flipping through, scrolling through Instagram, and I see this picture and I cannot remember. And those of you who follow Jason Isbell on Instagram or any social probably know the exact photo that I'm talking about. Um, but he was with two other people. And like, I was, it was very absent-minded on my part. I'm just scrolling. And then I stop and I'm like, God, that guy looks like Jason Isbell. And then (laughs) like, and then there's these bright white teeth and this tan skin. And I'm like, who (laughs) is this? And then I look, I'm like, oh, it is Jason Isbell. I'm like, what happened? You know, I'm like, he's out here looking like some used car salesman. And (laughs) I'm like, and I, 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 I was very taken aback. Now, if and, and since then, the man himself has been um, very open about mm-hmm. why he had his teeth fixed and yep. it was becoming a health issue for him. Yep. And um, and he used a lot of medical or dental terms that I don't know or remember. So I'm not even going to try to um, quote him, but it was kind of a necessity mm-hmm. just for his his health. Yeah. And since then, he's. uh tweeted or posted about how it's changed his singing um yeah he just 
or he just covered a Bon Iver song. Yeah. Um, and he posted about it. He he shared it, and he even said that since getting his teeth fixed, his falsetto has really yeah. improved. Um, and so he's been trying to sing a lot of other songs like that just yeah. to practice. Um, and he's enjoying it. It's so, you know, whatever my p opinions are based on the looks, you know, it's, it is, I'm, I'm still very taken aback by it. Like sometimes <laughs> it's hard for me to look at them. Um, cause it's just, it's such a different, yeah. it's, it's, you know? it's definitely different. It, it, I, I mean, I think it, it looks great. I mean, they, he, they did a nice job. Um, and certainly if it's so a, a, a health issue thing, you know, then, you, you know, you got to do it. And so good for him for doing it. I do think there's a lot of people who don't like it and are like, that's, that was part of what I liked because he was real. And so now he's all, he, my immediate reaction was, oh, he's in the movies now. He went Hollywood. He's, this is a cosmetic thing. I later learned that that was not the case. Right. Right. Um, but in fact, uh, his old teeth probably served him better in that role. Probably did. Yeah, in that role they did for sure. Much more realistic, I'm sure. You know, it's interesting. I would love at some point to talk to uh an orthodontist or a dentist, uh, because it's interesting that changing his teeth mm -hmm. allowed him to open up his falsetto differently. Because when you one of the, the things that uh that that Freddie Mercury uh was he had two rows of incisors, I think. And so he had a deeper mouth cavity than some people which he attributed to or some people attributed to his ability to sing and he's yeah. a fantastic vocalist obviously so I'm, yeah. i'd be curious to find out the the science behind that at some point maybe we should dig into that at some all point. right any dental professionals out there listening hit us up we gotta know we have questions come on the show and we'll sink our teeth into the topic uh. <laughs> We're sipping on a bourbon and I'm out. We're going to take a quick break for a refill. We've got Ashley Best coming up. Take a moment, if you will, listen to more about the awesome sponsors that help make the show happen. Uh, this is Rich Music Rambler. Hey, Ramblers, I have experienced a revolution in sound in my house, and you can too. The revolution is driven by Sonos. The Sonos Wireless Music System lets you play any song in any room, control it all with the Sonos app on your phone or tablet. Sonos has all the connections to give you millions of songs and stations, including connecting to your iTunes, your Spotify, Pandora, and more. Get a wireless Sonos player and hear the sound quality difference, then get one for all the rooms in your house where you listen, but might be out of reach of the stereo or Bluetooth speaker you normally use. So I've got one in my bedroom and bathroom for when I get ready in the morning. I've got one in the kitchen and living room for when I'm hanging out with friends. And then down here in the office den for when I'm working or setting up for another episode of the show, I happen to like the Sonos Move, which is one of the speaker models. I can put it out on my patio for cookouts. It's a weather-resistant design, has an 11-hour battery life, so I don't need to plug it in out there when I have people over for cookouts or tailgates or whatever. And I can play music on all or just a few of the speakers, so I never lose my jams going from room to room. Try the move and hear the difference, then hook up all the rooms in your house for an excellent listening experience while you move around cleaning or dancing or whatever you do in the privacy of your own home. Listen to Roots Music Rambler on it, for God's sakes. It makes me sound even more handsome. Go to rootsmusic.link slash Sonos, S-O-N-O-S, rootsmusic.link 
slash Sonos. That'll take you right to the Sonos Move speaker page to purchase. I highly recommend it. And you'll love how much better your music and podcasts sound. Go to rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That's rootsmusic.link slash Sonos. That is uh, Ashley Best, Oh My My, from the album Something, which came out in 2022. But uh, that's pretty popping tune right there. Damn. I feel like I need a cold beer to go with <laughs> That's good stuff. Ashley joins us now on Roots Music Rambler. Ashley, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we're absolutely glad to have you. We've been... Uh, We've been binging on your stuff for the last few days just to kind of prepare and make sure we've heard everything. And I mean, I've been, you know, turning it up and just, you know, doing stuff around the house, listening to your, your music. And it's been, it's been fantastic. Same. We're, we're glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So any, anybody's bio who starts out, I'm a son of a coal miner. I immediately like antenna go up and whatnot. Cause I'm from Eastern Kentucky. Lots of, I'm not, personally a son of a coal miner, but I know a lot of people who are. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and, uh, and being the son of a coal miner and, and growing up in, in that world. Well, um, back in like the, well, probably even like the forties and that, uh, they, this area has been rich in coal. They've been digging it and mining it ever since then. And it, back in the seventies and that, they really got a lot of the strip mining, but my dad, he was, he worked down deep in the mines and that. And uh, the one thing he always told me is don't ever go in the mines. Uh, that was one thing that he told, told me don't ever do. And uh, I mean, it provided a good, a good life for him. Um, but it was not his favorite thing to do. And uh, he knew once he got in it, you know, in these parts, either uh, coal mine or worked in the steel mills, which the steel mills, what belly up and so did the coal eventually like in the eighties and that. So it made things kind of rough. So, uh, we then, you know, just sold the house that we grew up in and, uh, we bought some land and, uh, dad and I worked, you know, creating the farm that we have now. Uh, you know, we didn't buy a farm that was ready to go. We just bought bare land. And I was about 14 when we'd done that, which is interesting enough is when, I didn't listen to a lot of music growing up. Like my mom would have it on like Sundays, especially I'd listen to the countdowns and what have you and that as she was cooking dinner and that. But when we moved out here and started building the house and building the barns and that, we always had the radio on. And so that's when, you know, I was around 14, mm -hmm. 15 and that's when the music really started going for me. And by the time I was 16, I was pretty well wrapped up in the music and especially Dwight Yoakam and listen to everything and just like going back and finding out everything that he's done. And then to understand him, I had to go back and listen to Buck Owens and Merle Haggard, you know, and just, it was, he set me on an adventure. <laughs> yeah. 
So Ashley, when, uh, like Jason said, when you see son of a coal miner or anything about coal mining, you know, Jason being from Kentucky, his antenna go up, right? right. Um, but you're not speaking of Kentucky right now. So what area did you grow up in? Where are you now? And what is the... Um... It's Harrison County, uh, Harrison County, Ohio. Uh, it's right along the river. We're, well, we're about 30, 30 miles off the riverbanks. So like in the area I grew up in, there's Eastern Ohio, and then the, uh, the northern panhandle of West Virginia, there's a lot of coal mines over in that region, Pennsylvania. There's, so, like, you can hop in through three states. It's kind of like the Dukes of Hazard. You, you jump across three states, and you're just there in, you know, a matter of a time. But this area was just always was rich in minerals, and uh, yeah. which right now they're up in here drilling gas and oil and uh, doing the uh, yeah. Marcellus uh, shale and all that happy stuff. Yeah, I could, I could, I could hear that uh, that Yenzer coming through a little bit of that. <laughs> well, that I've been trying that to work Pittsburghese. on Yeah, I've been trying to work away from that, <laughs> but it's hard to break. I remember the first time I was down in Tennessee. I was down in Nashville region, and uh, I went to an auto store, and I, you know, I spoke there. You know, I was like, the Yens have something. And the guy that was working at County, he's like. You're from around the Pittsburgh region. He's like, and by the way you talk, I'd say yep. you're almost close to Steubenville, Ohio. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, I grew up, you know, Steubenville was only like 28 minutes from Caddis. And he's like, mm -hmm. I'm from Steubenville. That's how I knew. And I was like, it's just odd. <laughs> yeah. that so can you explain to this, this Chicago girl, what y'all are talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. And, and, and Ashley, just so you know, my dad lived in Munhall, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh when I was growing up. So that's how I know. Yeah. And if you hear some nuances in Ashley's speech, you'll hear him. He'll stress his O's. O's are long O's up there. They're O's. It's Ohio, not Ohio. It's Ohio. Um, and then you, you'll also hear when he says O-W-N, like down or town, it's downtown. Going to go downtown. We're going to go downtown Steubenville, Ohio, right? That's it's it's an in, it's a speech dialect influence from a combination of Eastern European and Scottish Irish that kind of blended together with all the coal mining immigrants that came in and steel mill immigrants that came in in the 18, 17 and 1800s. And it just kind of in Pittsburgh, it's kind of this like it's called Yenzer because they instead of you all or y'all, they say Yens, Y-I-N-Z. And if you're oh. from there, you're a Yenzer. So there you go. <laughs> wow. I never knew that. Well, learn How'd something I do on new. That one, Ashley, and I love that it. Okay? Yeah, that, that's that's just about it. You know, I'm, I'm part Irish, so <laughs> you, you nailed it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I have a lot of fun with that sometimes because it's around eastern Kentucky, where I'm from, we get made fun of a lot for our accent. And I like to sort of lighten the mood a little bit and say, hey, everybody's got an accent because, I mean, Francesca, you know, we can we can do Chicago all day. And then if you get up into the into the you know northern into the Minnesota and all that kind of stuff, you can go crazy <laughs> over there. But I, I, I bring the yenzer to them and say, hey, people, you know, just a couple hundred miles away speak very differently. So it's all just where you are and what the what the influences were. So there Love you it. go. So. Um, Ashley, I know, you know, we were talking about your dad being a coal miner and I know, um, from watching people and knowing people in Eastern Kentucky, that's a hard life. Mm -hmm. It's tough to, uh, go into the mines every day and whatnot. 
And I wonder how much of watching your dad do that. And then, of course, you know, building the farm, which is not the same thing, but it's still hard work and whatnot. How much of that sort of informs your songwriting? Because we all, you know, basically carry these stories forward from our childhoods and they influence everything we do. I'm wondering how much of that hard work that you watched your dad do all those years influences what you do. Well, as far as the songwriting, and I don't think it uh, affected it too much. Uh, I get most of my inspiration when I am out on a tractor and I'm like doing field work or what have you. That it's time to myself. I'm when I'm hundred percent completely by myself and just, here, that's what allows me to create. The one thing that I did get from like his work ethics that he taught me, you know, from the coal mines and face it, it's not easy having the last name best. You know, every job <laughs> I ever had, he's like, oh, so you think you're the best, you know, you better show it. Uh -huh. So we had to do it. And so uh, my whole family's got a, a, <laughs> a good uh, history of good work ethics, but in the music business, is where it helps the most. Uh, that never say die attitude comes from working with him on the farm. Uh, you know, especially the way we did it. We didn't buy a farm that was ready to go. We bought land and built it. And so there was a lot of hard work. Um, I mean, when we, when we came here, we didn't have a lot of money. He was out of work. So it was, you know, a woman of prayer. And, you know, the one thing he always told me was, as long as you keep trying, you stay the chance. The day that you quit trying, there is no chance. It's done. So that's, that's you know, that was advice. one of the, you know, he, my determination comes from working with him. So I read uh, somewhere that you, you know, part of the instigation or the start, the genesis of music for you, that you listened to your grandpa Powell singing on a reel to reel recorder. Tell us that story. Yeah. So uh, he passed away when I was like four years old. I remember him, but not a whole lot. So most of my memories, yeah. especially this time of year and around Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas and what have you, that my mom had a real, real recorder. My dad had bought it for her and uh, my grandpa borrowed it uh, several times as he was getting ready to do shows. Uh, he, he had, he always had bands um, and they would play in these small honky tonks that, you know, the coal miners went to, you know, they was, Honky tonks, you know, and, and their big goal was to get on the Capitol Music Hall, uh, the Wheeling Jamboree down in West Virginia. Um, that, you know, nice. for this region, that was it. it uh, and, uh, so he would borrow it and he recorded, I think maybe like 10 songs on it, five songs, something like that. And, uh, cool. I listened to him just, you know, as a kid growing up, my mom would pull it out around holidays and that. And, uh, yeah. We would just listen to it over and over and over. And then as I got older, you know, I just kept listening to it over and over and over and trying to play along with him. Um, my dad had got me a, a guitar when I was about, I think it was 15 when he bought that guitar for me. And uh, so as I was trying to learn how to play, I would listen to him. Uh, and uh, he would play songs like Green Green Grass at Home, you know, and simple three-chorded songs. And so I would try to, you know, sit there and play along with him to try to learn how to figure that guitar out. Um, we eventually wore the tape out. Probably my biggest regret is I should. Oh man, I shouldn't have wore it out so much. Did they exist at all anymore? I don't believe so. I, uh, I, I wish hmm. I could have. I should have. Nowadays, you could, I could have had it transferred over onto like a CD and that, but it's it's too far gone. You know, we, 
I tried no. it probably ten years. That's ago. too bad. Well, I mean, it, it, at least it it taught you a little bit about playing music and inspired you to do that. That's a that's an awesome connection. Yeah. So he did he was he like a band? Did he have a band or was it just him? Did he have no, a group he had, of guys? Had, Tell me a little bit more about him playing. He had a band. Uh, I never, like I said, I never got to go see him live. I just knew uh, his son-in-law was in the band. It was always like four-piece band. They didn't have like fiddles or nothing like that. It was just my grandpa would play the rhythm guitar, and then my uh, it'd be his son-in-law uh, would play lead guitar, and then they had a drummer, which was. There's all family members. And uh, nice. every once in a while, they would bring in another, uh, the bass player. Seemed, it's like in everything. The bass player seems to come and go. And they're so hard to find. And <laughs> But uh, they they kept a band together for uh, probably close to eight years or so. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Those damn bass players ruin everything, don't they? <laughs> it, it's... Uh, <laughs> They're tough to find in this region. Nobody wants to play, you know, for being the country music region that we are. You know, we had the Jamboree in the Hills was a big thing. Started back in the 70s. Yeah. That's so a festival, like I said. And then you had um, the uh, Wheel and Jamboree at the Capitol Music Hall. And that. So that's, you know, there was a lot of artists drifting between Nashville and Wheeling back in the 40s and that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this area got settled with some of those artists that, you know, never made it, but they settled in here around here because of the work of the steel mills and the coal mines and what have you. That so, there's always been music around here, but uh, it has faded away as far as uh, the country music end of it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's right now. It's just it's not an easy area to be a an original artist. Um, cover bands do. You know, it's a cover band and, you know, a tribute band right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe things might be about to change for at least for the bass players in the region, because I'm pretty sure uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Tyler Childers bass players from Pittsburgh. Mm. So you is got, that, you got um, Craig. That's Craig. Yes. Craig is from Pittsburgh. Pretty sure. Craig with so. the great hair. Yeah, with the yeah, with the perm, yeah, the, the Jerry Curl bass player in a country brand band is good stuff. Anyway, so that's good stuff. All right, we're we're gonna uh, step out, take a quick break right here. I want to uh, continue to play "Oh My My" because I just love the song. As we go out, uh, when we come back after the break, though, uh, we're gonna get a little bit more into the album, a little bit more into the music, a little bit more into Ashley's story. But I'm also gonna come back with an interesting cover song that he did. So stay tuned and uh, we'll be right back. This is more of Oh My My. Good stuff. That's a great song, man. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, it was going to be our next release. Um, we're having a little issues. <laughs> I 
I wanted to do a, <laughs> okay. I wanted to do a video for it, and uh, I'm having a time finding a videographer that's willing to do what I want to do with the song because of where it came from. Um, okay, it, it was funny. Like when we went in the studio to record it, Roger Horde is uh, was a guitar player on that album, and uh, locally he's like our Chet Atkins. You know, he played the Wheel and Jamboree, he played the Jamboree and the Hills and all that, and he literally played with Chet Atkins. I mean, the dude's just awesome. So like, he's always wow. worked on my material. You know, uh, I go in and do the rough draft, and then he, you know, finishes, polishes it all up, and makes it what it is. And uh, when we started working on that song, I stopped him about they didn't even get into the first verse hard and I stopped him. I was like, that's not it. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, that's not it. So just luckily the drummer that we had that day, I said, let me tell you how this song came about and maybe you can then derive how the music should go. So I'm like, you know, I used to be a bouncer for a short period of time at a strip club in Weirton. And this older gentleman was infatuated with this one certain stripper. And like he would pay no attention to nobody else except for her. When she came up on stage, he sat down and he would just, you know, that's the only time he paid attention. And then when she was off, he went back to the bar and never paid attention to nobody else. That's where the song came from. And the drummer at, on that on that album, he's like, I used to date a stripper. I got it. And he starts cutting into that rhythm. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> that's the rhythm I'm wanting. And then that's where it all came about. And we got done with it. And he's like... <laughs> This doesn't sound real country. I'm like, I don't care what it sounds like. That's what it's supposed to be because that's how <laughs> it should sound. And so uh, there you go. Thanks to Jason for being on my the drums that day that, you know, <laughs> dated a stripper. So he knew what to he, yeah. he had that stripper experience. Yeah. <laughs> us, us guys, na us guys named Jason like strip clubs. Yeah. Yeah, we, we hang out in those a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about, I mean, like that is the the classic like roots of a song story, yeah, you know, is. and, and <laughs> where are the roots at a strip club? Perfect. There you go. That's, that's a perfect, is my, am I safe in assuming that the problem you're having with the videographer is you want to shoot it in a strip club? It doesn't necessarily have to be shot in the strip strip club, but I, I found a place where we can turn it into a strip club for like that. And nobody wants to shoot it. Uh, they, <laughs> And I thought, you know, I was, hesitant. I was hesitant myself because I mean, like I told him, I was like, I don't want the, you know, the lady to actually strip down, just be more of like an exotic right. dancer thing, but burlesque kind of style. Ah, there you go. But there you go. I can't seem to get anybody interested in doing it. And, you know, and I told him, you know, he's like, you know, we're, they're worried about how they will be perceived. I was like, you should be, I should be more worried than anybody else because I put the song out there, but now I'm trying to give people a visual of what the song actually was. And yeah. so, you know, it could be yeah. suicide on my part, but uh, <laughs> I'll keep, well, plug, maybe, keep plugging at it. Somebody will do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then when this episode airs, if you haven't found a videographer by then, there might be yeah. someone out there listening. If there's like, somebody out it. there that, you know, how should I say other than have a set of balls and do it? <laughs> Cause I think it, I think it'll go, you know, tastefully done. It will go over really well. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. It doesn't have to be trashy. Yeah. Be I mean, it's, and, I was just yeah. trying to get 
it shot in the meaning of how the song came about. As a songwriter, you know, I knew what the song was about. I knew how I wanted, you know, that song right there was an easy, easy visual for me because I, you know, which like most of my songs, I've lived them. You know, I, I write from experience. So it's, uh, it was one of the videos I've always looked forward to making. <laughs> Well, all right. Drummers or not drummers. Sorry. Videographers out there, please help <laughs> Ashley out. All right. Exactly. The man wants to make this video. Please. Exactly. <laughs> so Ashley, your story is uh, an interesting ebb and flow roller coaster ride. Um, and, and let me kind of throw this out there and then you correct, correct where I'm wrong and, and sort of fill in the gaps for me. But I think you were sort of writing music and honky tonking as a young man, but then life kind of derailed things. If you don't mind sharing, tell us the high level story of your ups and downs, because it certainly informs your songwriting and I think makes your journey a very in incredible one. <clears throat> well, I, I, I started writing when I was like 16 and that granted they wasn't good. Thought they was, but you know, later in life, you know, you, you figure out that it was just a bunch of crap. But it was, it, I was laying down the foundation for what is now. And, uh, so like all through like my, even in my early twenties and that, you know, I karaoke a lot. I hate to say that. Um, as I struggled with the fear of that I wasn't good enough as a songwriter or as a guitar player, especially, um, so, you know, I went, you know, I hung out a lot in the bars, what have you that. But anyhow, and through the course of life, you know, I got married. Uh, I was about 20, 21 when I got married. And, I, and uh, by the time I was 29, I was a widow. Uh, my first wife had passed away. And uh, it just, it was no doubt the hardest thing that I've ever uh, went through. We had two kids at that time. I had a daughter that was six and a daughter that was nine months old when she passed. And, uh, oh, it's just, I had struggled with alcohol all along. So I spent a lot of time in the bars and what have you. That. And <clears throat> unfortunately, when that moment hit, you know, I, I done good for about three months. Uh, and then life hit and it, it I started going in a downward spiral and uh, yeah. I spent, you know, probably a course of three years pretty well drunk. Uh, but at the mm -hmm. same time, I also started gigging on my own and uh, I went down to the Capitol Music Hall and uh, Radney Foster was there with Sarah Evans. And I took my daughter, I was, <clears throat> I took my daughter down and uh, we went to see the show. And I didn't know Rodney Foster was going to be there. I was a big Rodney Foster fan. So he ends up showing up and he's opening the show up, just him and his guitar. And I, from that day on, I'm like, you know, cause up till then I figured I needed a band. I needed a band. I didn't, you know, I've never been taught music. Uh, timing was always an issue with me. I had no time. <laughs> I just played what I felt and thought it, you know, it wasn't good enough. And, you know, and I had people tell me it wasn't good enough. I, I remember I played, uh, you know, I played a song, one of the better songs that I had ever written. And I came up and I played it for my mom and dad. And, uh, my dad was never a big fan of my music, uh, me pursuing music. He, uh, did not like that end at all. Uh, 
he'd rather me stay on the farm and what have you, man. Sure. Uh, so I played it for him and he told me it wasn't good. <laughs> He's like, it's not good. You, you don't have what it takes. And, and, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things that happened in my life that I probably shouldn't be continued. But there again, never say die. Just keep working at it. And, you know, when somebody as close as my dad tells me you're not good enough, it's, you know, it, that was probably the hardest thing I ever had to, to uh, get over. Uh, I eventually got over it. And, uh, you know, he passed away two years ago. And uh, hmm. he never did tell me I was good. So it, it uh, it's, I, I wish he would have, but it is what it is. Sure. Uh, in fact, when we made the album, something, um, he told my mom I was just wasting my money, wasting my time and my money. Mm. Uh, and I have the utmost respect for my dad. I mean, we worked together side by side. And I knew what it all boiled down to. I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. Uh, right. This journey wasn't what he wanted me on. Uh, but it is what it is. And I am who I am. So it's... But, you know, through all that, it's through all, everything that I was through is what made the songs that I have. Uh, it, yeah. Something happened during that, you know, the first three years. Uh, I, I guess I just started paying more attention to my surroundings. Uh, and it just I got more connected with something that just started bringing the, the words to me. And it, you know. In my EP, there's a song nothing ever seems to do. And that song came whistling through a big maple tree. You know, it, it's, I heard it. You know, it, the wind was blowing. It was uh, in the morning. And uh, I was hungover. I ain't going to lie. I was hungover. And I was just sitting there thinking, you know, I was just about as low as I could get pretty close. I, I thought I was. I, I hadn't hit rock bottom yet, but I thought I did. And that wind just started blowing through them trees. And I just sat there and listened to it. And that song literally took me probably five, seven minutes. I had a root and done. And it was just, wow. it, and it, it was coming through that tree. And that's what I say, just things like that happen. And, you know, I don't, you know, don't know why, <laughs> but I'm glad it, I'm glad I got connected with whatever it was that has, uh, you know, made me. Sure where I am at now. Giving you the encouragement yeah. to keep yeah, going. For sure. Well, it sounds like despite the your father's, um, I guess, disapproval of what you were doing, you still took his advice and used it in your favor, right? Yeah. Never say die, never quit, right. keep going. Right. So in that respect, I would imagine he's very, very proud of what you've done. I was, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was. He just never liked to admit it. <laughs> sure. Well, I know how that goes too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was he was very old school. I was the youngest of four kids, so um, he was I think thirty six, thirty seven when I was born. So you know, uh, and I spent more time with him growing up. You know, by the time I was in my teens, and I spent a lot of time with him. That so I was being mentored by you know I'm like fifteen, sixteen, and he's you know, pushing in his fifties and that. So it's, yeah. he was a wise man. I will say that uh, he got That's, my music yeah. wrong. Well, I know it's good. <laughs> well, you've, 
it, it it's I think it's pretty clear you've taken the uh the good things from him and and yeah. and used those to build your career and I'm I'm sure he's looking down and awfully proud of you. I'm really curious um after, you know, you you know, you when you you mentioned hitting rock bottom. Yeah. What was it that pulled you out of that? What was it that got you back on track? Uh there's a couple things. One, uh, I was tired of where I was at. Um, I had went down to Nashville for probably about a month. Uh, I needed to get away from the area I was in. You get tied up in these, these you're running with the wrong crowd, basically. Um, and going country music in bars, it, you know, you got this persona, uh, like Hank Williams done it. You know, everybody has done it, you know, and so, you know, and, there was also, you know, as I'm writing, I'm half drunk. So I'm afraid if I stop drinking, that I'll stop writing. Mm. And so, but it, it got bad. You know, it was, uh, there was, I was in a small town, uh, done a gig. And by the end of that night, I'm sitting on the street with two beers in my hands, passed out, sitting up. And, you know, the cops pull over and he's like, you know, are you all right? And I'm like, I look at each beer and I'm like, I didn't spill them. I'm good. <laughs> So that's, that was rock bottom. I remember going home, I looked in the mirror and, uh, I said, I'm better than this. So, uh, yeah. Well, good for you. So I left and went down to Nashville after about months in Nashville I didn't understand Nashville and uh, I came back home and uh, my, uh, I met my wife that I have now and uh, she pulled me uh, up out of the gutters. Oh, good for her and good for you. That thing you found each other. Right. Which is what the album, uh, something, you know, that song we titled it, uh, the album after the, the song something, which is about me and her. And then also the video that we just done, you make me, uh, she inspired that song as well. So, uh, she, uh, she always asked me, she's like, <laughs> she's like, why don't you ever write me a song? I'm like, well, you know, I have this history of <laughs> as I write a song, you know, I was dating at times. And like, I, if I was dating somebody, it seemed like I stuck around long enough to get a song. And once I get strong, that relationship was over. So I'm like, oh, no. do you really want me to write your song? Because I don't, you know, mm. <laughs> I like what we got and I'd like to keep it. So, <laughs> but eventually I got over that and actually wrote, you know, a good song for her. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's it's an appropriate time to step out, take another break. And why not go to break with something? So this is the song he's been talking about that he uh, wrote for his wife, Ashley Best.
How about that? Like a rockabilly cowboy punk version of a Beatles song. I saw her standing there by Ashley Best. That'll get you up and moving around the bar, I would I would imagine. Uh, if Ashley, more Beatles why- songs sounded like that, I'd probably like the Beatles more. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a that's a hell of a that's a hell of a version. Uh, Ashley, why why that song? Why was that one the one you covered on this uh, this album? Something. Uh, growing up, uh, my brothers and sisters they had uh, forty five albums, you know, a lot of them, and uh, I would sneak in their room every once in a while. My my sister, my oldest sister, she had most of them, and uh, I found that one. And uh, that was actually on side B. I can't even remember what was on side A. I played that the first time, and I was every time I'd sneak in a room, I grabbed that one and I put it on, and I'd hurry up and listen to it until she kicked me out. And uh, she eventually <laughs> ended up uh, here just a few years ago. She had still had that forty-five, and she gave it to me. So, uh, oh, cool! Yeah, that is so was, sweet. <laughs> I was like, there it is. I finally got it. But yeah, I just love that song. Uh, always have it's. By far my favorite Beatles song. Um, and I think every time I ever played it, that's the way I heard it. It's not the way oh, I nice. it, but that's the way I heard it. And I was like, the more I got into Dwight and that, and uh, I always was shocked he never redid that song. Yeah. That's how I visualized him doing it and what it sounded like. Yeah. And, uh, so when we was in his studio doing it, uh, Roger. Ford is a huge Beatles fan. So he starts doing exactly the way they was doing. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, that ain't how I want it. I was like, you got to think Pete Anderson. So in just like that, he came up with that. Yep. I'm like, that's it. You know, so, you know, it's, that's great. It's cool as the music sounds. I, you know, I had the vision for it, but Roger made it all come together. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how it works, man. When you've got good musicians and producers around you, the collaborations, what makes it. Come to life. All right. Now, you mentioned Dwight, and I think everybody just assumes and knows you're talking about Dwight Yoakam. If you're talking about Dwight Yoakam, that's another thing that's going to throw up a big antenna for me because Dwight was born in Pikeville, Kentucky, which is where I'm from. It's where I grew up. Um, I don't know Dwight personally, but I know some people who did know him, and I've followed his career since he became anything and all that good stuff. And so, yeah, me and you can sit here and have a conversation for hours about Dwight. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious though is when you discovered Dwight, what was it? I think I think it was the Bakersfield sort of sound that grabbed you. What was it about Dwight that made you go, "Ooh, this is this this is it"? He just had a, a voice that was so different than everybody else, and I, I I will still say it to this day. I think he had one of the purest voices that country music has ever had. Uh, well underrated in my book. Uh, mm-hmm. You. you I've my favorite works of his is an acoustic album that he done, and yes, it's just, amen. The stripped down uh, version of him, and that's when you can truly hear how great his voice is. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my sister got me that album for Christmas one year, and I mean, I almost cried. Like yeah. you just, it's it's probably thirty cuts or something. Yeah. Like it's a bunch of tracks. Yeah. And it's just him and a guitar. And yeah. it's just so pure. And so it's like he's sitting there playing to you in your living room. Right. It's amazing. Right. He always just had a different Absolutely. sound. Like Pete Anderson, you know, the the guitar playing that he'd done on that album, on all the albums. Uh, yeah. I guess, you know, it's just what, you know, it was old style country, but yet 
he had that blues in it that just made it, you know, especially the up-tempo stuff. It just, uh, but when it comes to even singing a ballad, that uh, Dwight's, as far as I'm concerned, will always be the best at it. Uh, he just, yeah. I, I wish I could say I've met him, but I've yet to meet him. But uh, I'm hopeful someday. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you will. Maybe you will. Hopefully. What? Uh, uh, what's your favorite Dwight song? Oh my! Uh, my favorite one would have to be. Um, if there was a way. Ah, good one. Very good one. What about you, Francesca? You got a favorite Dwight song? Okay. So, um, <clears throat> full disclosure, uh, I know Dwight Yoakam. I know a number of his songs, probably the more famous ones, um, okay. but I have not taken a deep dive. Okay. Um, although I will say I love, 100% love his cover of Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good one. I so, think that it is, it is just, I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. I mean, his voice is just so, you know, as Ashley was saying, so unique and so different when you just hear him. And if you ever go see Dwight in concert, listen really closely because the first song or two, when he comes out, he's still warming up a little bit and he'll do a lot of that, those sort of kind of scale kind of, Chris Stapleton, Adele kind of, you know, just riffs and you'll, you'll hear that in his voice. He's just, okay. it just, he lets it go the first couple songs to just get more loose. And it's, it's just amazing. It kind of adds a little flavor to it, which is pretty interesting. So if you ever go see him live, check, check right. that out. Um, uh, so I can't, I don't know if you can see it. You probably can't see it. I, well, you know what? I'm going to make people see it. Um, just cause I want to brag to Ashley. Um, my favorite Dwight Yoakam song is I Got You. Um, it's one of the first times that I ever played a song just over and over again. I can't get tired of it. I just love that song. It's a perfect country song. It's a great sentiment, all that good stuff. But my favorite Dwight Yoakam album is Three Pairs, which was massively critically acclaimed because he took this like branch out. It wasn't cowboy punk. It wasn't really old school. It was almost experimental for him. And I have a connection that was working with Dwight at the time that album came out. And this is going to be really awkward for the video and the audio. So I'm going to bear <laughs> with me here, but I want to make sure. Uh, oh, I got to, I got to do a different camera take. Um, oh, this is going to be really awkward. So hold on. This is going to, I got to, I got to do this because you got to see it. But if I angle my camera up and over just a little bit, you can see my signed Three copy pairs. of Three Pairs right there hanging on the wall here in the old uh, Roots Music Rambler studios. So hopefully I can put this back where it was supposed to be. But anyway. Yeah. That wasn't mine, entirely <laughs> awkward. Wasn't too bad. A friend, yeah. fr- friend of mine hooked me up with that, and uh, he, he worked for – he did the social media uh, for Dwight at the time. And uh, so he knew him and he knew I was a big Dwight fan. So he gave me that. It's like prize possession. Like I won't let anybody touch it and all that good stuff. So very love cool. Me, love me some Dwight. So back to Ashley, which is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, you have, um, I, I have been trying to pinpoint a description of your voice and you can hear the life you've lived in your voice, you've got, you know, you've got some, you know, you, you've got some experiences in that, but you have a voice that's got this like weathered, not gravelly, but it, it's, it's just a different voice. If someone said to you, how would you describe your voice? What would you say? Tired. <laughs> it's, it's tired and wore out. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because we go back and we start listening and, 
we found the very first recording that I've ever done in a studio. And it was, uh, it was just me and a guitar. I cut three songs real quick. And, uh, I sound I, at that time I was probably 30, 20, probably about 30, 31. I sound like I was about 16. <laughs> we do the EP and, you know, then we do the album. Mm-hmm. And where the album sounds now to the next one that we're working on, the age is getting there. It's, it's getting uh, yeah. a lot more raspier. Uh, it's just, yeah, because I sing so hard. So like when I do live shows, just show, you know, I wish I could do the like, 45 minute shows, but you know, I'm still stuck in a three hour land. So, you know, we'll go out <laughs> we gig for three hours. And here's the thing back in the day when I first started gigging, if you stopped and took a break, you know, I, in where I started at around here regionally, going at solo acoustic, it wasn't a thing really yet. You know, not so much as like it is now. There's yeah. a lot of breweries and wineries pop up where everybody goes, but I was doing it in bars and that where it, full bands always played. So if you took a break, they turned the jukebox on and they didn't want you getting back up there. So I learned to go three yeah. hours nonstop and I'd done that for years. And I wow. remember everybody saying, that's going to take its toll. It's taken its toll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say this and, and yeah, you obviously please, you know, do what you need to do to take care of your voice and get to the 45 minute shows. But the toll that it has, you know, had on your vocal cords thus far, I think is a really unique sound. Your voice is very different. And I think that is a lot of what appeals to people when, because nobody heard anybody who sounded like Dwight when Dwight came out. Right. You know, right? Well, and I think uh, that's nobody, nobody heard anybody like Tyler when Tyler came out. Right. 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 Uh, that, so, you know, for being, yeah, I, I think you got a unique voice. Thank you. That I've always strived for, you know, I, being such a big Dwight fan, obviously when I carry hooky, I carry Dwight and I could sound almost exactly like him. You know, there's times people walk in and say, I thought Uh-oh. the jukebox was on. So as I started <laughs> songwriting, I knew I had to create my own voice. And so, yeah. you know, through the process of not, you know, the one thing that's different, you know, Whenever you create a song, it's never been sung before. So you don't know when it's right. And yeah. the hardest thing is, is when you write a new song, you know, I I usually have the guitar open E and I play it. And then I start capoing down, working my way so I can get it into a spot that I'm comfortable singing. But it, it wreaks havoc on your vocal cords, trying to figure out how yeah. a song that's never been sung should sound. Sure. Well. It's That's part of the great insight part of the magic too. and part of the craft, you know. Yeah, so good for you. Great insight, and I think the like Jason said, the weathered tone or the the weathered uh, characteristic of your voice, it really adds to the storytelling too. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it adds a little more gravity to your lived experience. Yeah. Well, that makes that, you sound believable. Well, relatable. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what I like about songwriting and uh, and being the singer of the songs that I write. Um, I knew what I felt that caused me to write that song. So therefore I feel like I can deliver it when I sing in it. Uh, it's one of the things that I think in mainstream country music that they got out right now that is lacking outside of like, you know, Chris Stapleton, you know, he's got a voice that's just like, you know, mm-hmm. he, it's there, but there's, I listen to a, a, a lot of songs that just have, they don't have 
the delivery like they used to. It's, it's almost, it's, they're singing words. They don't, they don't, they're not feeling it. And it, it, yeah. it is coming out that way. Uh, yeah. We could go on some really big tangents on this topic, yeah. <laughs> but probably part of it is that, you know, a number of those songs that these artists are recording were written by other people. Right. Yeah. Right. So they don't have that connection to the words and to the story right. and to the experience like you do. Right. Yeah. If you've got a, you know, a voice like, a, you know, a goddess or a God, okay, you're, you're good. But if you don't and you're not writing your own stuff, that's tough. It it's tough to break through. It is. It's tough to break through when you're writing your own stuff and singing your own stuff. It's still tough to break through. <laughs> well, luckily there are people like Jason and me who prefer the singer songwriter. You know, we appreciate the craft and the talent and all of the stuff that goes into making your own music. And believe me, yeah. I appreciate you guys because it's, it's been a tough road. I mean, it's, there's no other way. Of sure. It's been tough. <laughs> sure. It always is, but it, it, it's no matter what the payoff is, it's, it always seems worth it. When I talk to people yeah. who have been doing it for 20, 30 years, they're like, man, I, I've never made a dime really. I, you know, don't have health care. I still play four gigs a week. I freaking love it. Yeah. Like it's just a passion that you can't let go of. And those are the, the that's the fabric of the industry right there. Right. So I love it. Now, uh, you mentioned you had uh, you're working on, I think, a new album. Tell us a little bit about that, so people have uh, got a little tease and something to look for forward to. Well, uh, I wrote it probably last most of it throughout the whole last year, uh, and uh, I had a lot. You know, I was gigging a lot and that, and working with the band and everything. But I had a lot of time to myself. Um, I gave up my day day job and just started uh, diving more into the business end of uh, getting us booked and what have you that. So one of the, the first gigs I ever did was at a county fair. Um, and just by luck that day, uh, Jack Ingram from, he was out of Texas, but uh, he had been signed uh, at NCA or somebody or another. So he was at that county fair and, uh, I broke my pick, the only pick I brought. And so like him and his bands up at the 4-H kitchen and somebody goes up and says, Hey, this guy needs a pick. And he comes out and gives me a pick. And he's like, you know, so I finished it. He's like, come hang out with me when you're done. So I do, you know, he done his show. I went and hung out with him and I says, what's the one key to this business? He says, Keep on keeping on. So the title of the album, this next is "Keep on Keeping On." I wrote that song, and it 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 it's just where I'm at. You know, it's there's no, yeah. there hasn't been a whole lot that has happened that says I should, but I'm going to because it's who I am. Uh, but uh, so there's a lot, and again, it's a melting pot of sounds. We got some songs on there that will sound, you know, it'll take you like down into Texas kind of swing. Uh, it's a blue swing, as I've been told. Uh, and then we got some that are just, they're, you know, rocked up, uh, that would put you more in mind, like, oh my, my, that we've done. But, uh, and I just cut a, a, a solo one. It's just me and the guitar, and it's, you know, more of a ballad type, which just speaks about where I'm at in my career right now. Nice. 
Well, we're looking forward to it, and uh, we really uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Give uh, give people a quick uh, point. Where can they find you on them, their interwebs? Uh, AshleyBestMusic.com. That's my website. Uh, AshleyBestTouchMusic.com, I should say. Uh, Facebook, look me up. Uh, Instagram. TikTok, unfortunately, I hate TikTok, but uh, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube uh, we're, we're right there with you. Yeah, they keep telling me, you got to use TikTok more. And I'm like, I don't like it. But uh, YouTube, we're, we're trying to utilize it more with our uh, channel that we have up there. So just look up Ashley Best and, uh, you know, look, it's I'm not a girl, obviously, you know, I'm a guy, you know. At the beard. Look for the bearded Ashley Best, and that's where you'll find me. There you go. That's, that's a great good. way to put it. And Spotify, it. too. And right? Spotify, yes. yes, yes. Spotify, you know, where they take yeah. the music. And <sighs> let's not go there. And, <laughs> and well, of, yeah, that's another episode. Yeah. <laughs> that is. And of course, we'll make sure that we link to all that in the show notes, including uh, I'm going to play one more song to play us out here, Ashley. This is from the EP which came out in, I believe, 2018. And when I heard this song, I was like, oh, man, like Monday Night Football should like license that and use it as a theme music or something. This is called Cowboy Ashley Best on Roots Music Rambler. Welcome back to uh, Roots Music Rambler. Great, uh, great conversation there with uh, Ashley Best. All those links to all of his stuff are in the show notes. Make sure you go uh, and check him out. Do some downloads. Uh, watch for that new album. Just fun conversation, and he's got a just a great story, great journey. And that was a lot of fun. And um, it was fun, but also it was kind of moving. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, he was very vulnerable, and yep. um, I appreciate that that he felt comfortable enough with us and with our audience to mm-hmm. um, kind of get so emotional. Uh, but yeah. it, it just, I think that just makes him even more relatable yeah. and makes me, would make me want to listen to his music even more because he's just Absolutely. like us. Yeah. So just, we, we, we are now big fans. We were fans before we're bigger fans now. We hope you are too. So uh, Ashley best go check him out and all those links. Uh, it is time for the picking the grinning uh, segment of the program where we tell you who's uh, making us grin, who we've been listening to. Maybe we've found a new artist. Maybe we're just listening to somebody we haven't listened to in a while, or maybe we'd, we'd see somebody live or whatever. So um, I'm going to uh, start out by asking uh, Frank, what, what, what have you been listening to lately? And then I have kind of a special like list to go over here of what I've been listening to, but what, what, you, what, Ooh, you, what you found, list. what's All making right. you grin this week. So if you've been listening to the show for any length of time you've probably heard me talk about my teen okay my daughter um and she is a big fan of boy genius uh <laughs> and i am too okay i do enjoy boy genius um 
But lately she has been playing for me the solo stuff of Lucy Dacus, who is part of Boy Genius. And um, I didn't really know anything about her or even Julian Baker, the other member. You know, I think Phoebe Bridgers um, is probably, and I could be completely wrong about this, but in my world, Phoebe Bridgers was probably the best known of the three. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had not heard any of Lucy's or Julian's solo stuff. So she's been playing uh, Lucy Dacus's solo stuff, and I really like it. I think I might like it a little bit better than the Boy Genius stuff, but let's keep that to ourselves. Okay. Um, but just a really clever songwriter and, um, you know, vulnerable, open, um, you know, writing about things that might make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but just a really good sound. Uh, I Yeah, I'm digging it. I really Good. am. Good. Well, and, I, and I've said before uh, on the show, I believe I've been, you know, both from Lucia and you and my daughter, Katie, mentioning them. I've I've listened to some Boy Genius stuff. I haven't gotten into the solo stuff yet, but I, I probably will now. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, really good stuff. I realize that that particular group appeals to a younger audience than me, but it's yes. really good songwriting. It's really good songs. Their harmonies are fantastic. Yes. So yes. they all I mean, have such, they're all yeah. at like such different places. And that's yeah. what um, Lucia even like shared on Instagram a while back. She's like, my mother just, or I think she said something like my mother just came out to me and said that she's like <laughs> boy genius. She's like, I don't know if I should laugh or cry. Should I be mortified? That's funny. Um, that's, that's but, a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So my, my, uh, my pick in the grin in, uh, this week, I, I want to share this. Uh, I am a, uh, a supporter uh, of uh, of public media, uh, have, have been for a long time. I have actually Louisville Public Media, which has WFPK, which is uh, the, the station that plays the music. And then they have WFPL where they have news and they also have a classic station uh, here in Louisville. Uh, I, I, I donate to them regularly. I would encourage everybody else to as well. Your local public media folks depend on subscriptions and whatnot to to stay in business. And that's where you can often uh, find some of the music we talk about here. You're not going to hear a lot of this stuff on mainstream radio. And so your local public station that plays Americana or maybe has a bluegrass show on the weekend or whatnot, uh, definitely get out and support those folks. I've, I've been a supporter of Louisville Public Media, WFPK here for in Louisville for a while, I actually served on an advisory board for them once upon a time too. So I kind of got to know a couple of the people there. Um, but they did, they are 91.9 FM in Louisville and they did the 91.9 top albums of 2023. And it was a listener driven. You, you went and filled out your top five and they compiled all the votes and everything. Um, and I voted, uh, I voted for, Four albums that I think a lot of people would have voted for. All four of them wound up on the list. The other album that I voted for was Nathan Graham because I wanted Yay. to make sure he got a vote. He did not, unfortunately, make the top 91.9, but Ooh. he got a vote. I've also Get emailed with it, some, Louisville. Well, I've also emailed some folks at WFPK to say, hey, you need, Nathan, you need to pay attention to this Nathan Graham cat. So uh, we'll hopefully get him some <clears throat> airtime there. Anyway, so they came out with this top list. And um, I don't think the top three would surprise anyone. Mm. Top albums of 2023. Now, this is not necessarily, you can, hold on. This okay. is not necessarily the Americana genre because they play a little bit of everything. They'll play rock. They'll play some hip hop. 
They'll play some country. They'll play some bluegrass. They play a little bit of everything. So I guess in a broad sense, it's the Americana, you know, sort of genre. Um, But it's a public media station. They play a lot of independent stuff. If you had to guess top three albums of 2023, what would your guesses be? And I'll tell you where they are on the list. Um, well, definitely weather veins, Jason Isbell. Number one. Number one? Number no one. No kidding. Okay, I don't, see, I, this was not this was not planned. We did not talk about this no, anytime. She did she's not seen this list, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think very many people would pick anything over that as the best album this year. But and I don't I, even know that that would make my personal list, but that's a whole other story. It's okay. Um, and it's one of the ones I voted for, but yes, it's number one, Jason Isbell and the four hundred unit weather veins. What what else you got? Oh geez. Um of course, now I'm on the spot, right? When I can't, yep. my mind, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, geez. I'm, I'm going to be oh. very disappointed if you don't get one of them. Maybe both of them. Oh, Tyler. Tyler Childers, Rustin in the Rain? Number three. <clears throat> okay. Um, and But see, the, my, part of my problem, too, is that, like, I know what's good and what's new-ish, but I don't know if they've actually been released this year or in years prior. So, mm. um because I don't, I don't have the the brain capacity for all of that, all those facts. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's not waste any more time. Why don't you just give it up? Number two, mm-hmm. boy genius, the record. So, see, okay, like I thought that came out ages ago. No, no, it came out earlier this year. So it's a twenty twenty three record. But boy genius, the oh, record, the record, the record is the- number two. And okay. and here's what here's what's funny. Uh, Boy Genius is also the point nine uh, on the list because the last entry, the point ninety one point nine on the list, was uh, their EP, the rest. So okay, um, that's where they got the point nine. They just did an EP, and I, I thought that was. I was wondering good. how they were gonna work yeah. that out, but okay. All right, so uh, after Jason Isbell and the four hundred unit weather veins, Boy Genius, the record, Tyler Childers, rustling in the uh, rustling in the rain. Here's the the rest of the top ten. Number four. Olivia Rodrigo with Guts, oh. which I've heard several songs from that album. That's one of Katie's favorites, and it, yeah. she's good. I like yeah. her. Uh, Cousin by Wilco is number five. Oh, yeah. The, the Rolling Stones' Hackney Diamonds is number six. I haven't heard it yet, but it's the Rolling Stones. Right. Um, the National, first two pages of Frankenstein, is number seven. Lana Del Rey, did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard, is number eight. Um, I'm going to screw this up, and I'm sorry because I don't know who this is, so I'm not going to pronounce it right, but uh, Joy Oladokun, Proof of Life. Oh, yes. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, Ola, I, no, I'm not even going to try, um, but her. I know exactly who you're talking about. Big fan. I like her. <laughs> she does life. a song, too, with Noah Khan. Okay. She's number nine. Uh, and Mitski, The Land is Inhospitable and So Are We, is number 10. So... Quickly going through a few others that I think people on the show might be interested in. Uh, Margot Price is number 12. Queen of Stone Age is 14. Uh, Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's version is actually number 16. Um, let's see. Uh, Hosier, Unreal Unearth is number 20. Um, I'm going to miss a bunch that I'm sure people are very. Coulter Wall, number 29 with Little Songs. Uh, Brandy Clark, who is getting ready to come to Louisville in March with my boy Hayes Carl, uh, oh. is at number 32 with Brandy Clark, self-titled album. You got Ashley McBride on here. You've got uh, The Kills. You've got L. King at number 44 with her album this year. 
Uh, Slow Dive at 48. That's one of Karen's favorites. Amanda Shires and Bobby Nelson's album is number 51. So a really interesting list. We'll put a link to the full list in the show notes so you can see it. But uh, And by the way, Noah Khan, in case uh, Lucia, Lucia wants to know, uh, Stick Season number 69 on the list. In case okay. she needs to know that. She'll and be trying interested, to see yes. There's any others. Uh, Old Crow Medicine shows Jubilees number 84. Um, I think that's one of the four I voted for. Um, but anyway, r- really interesting list. And so what I've been doing uh, is I, when they started to, the way that they announced it all over the course of, I think it was a day or two, okay. they played uh, on WFPK, they played like three or four cuts from each of the albums to announce, okay, here's 91.9, here's 91, here's 90, here's 90, 89, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So I've been kind of going back through and listening to folks on this list that I hadn't heard which is a really cool way to see what's new out there and stuff that I'm not aware of. Like there's one, uh, your, your, your uh, white reaper number 79 with asking for a ride. They're on here. So, and they're yeah. from Louisville. Yeah. So, I mean, just good stuff. Iggy pop has an album out. I had no earthly idea and they played a couple of cuts from it the other day. I was like, damn, Iggy pop still sounds good. He's like 107. So at least, yeah, that was where he looks 107. He may not be, but he looks 107 for sure. Um, so anyway, uh, WFPK 91.9 in Louisville. I'm a, a supporter of Louisville public media and they did that list and I thought it was a fantastic guide to say, okay, what did yeah. you miss this year? Let's go back and check that out. So I, um, I am, uh, looking forward to seeing the entire list. I think yeah. I will do like you said, and just go through and listen to one at a time. Yep. yep. For sure. Good stuff. So we'll uh, put that link in the show notes so everybody else can follow along and do that. And of course, it's 2024 now. So as new albums come out, start writing the, down your favorites. And maybe you can either vote on, on their list or maybe we'll do a poll or something sure. this year and see what do our you, listeners think of. Have you ever done that sort of thing, like on your own? You know, like, oh, my favorite songs of the year, or my favorite movies or my favorite books, like anything. Have you ever done that? I actually wrote an article one time, um, what music means to me. Okay. Um, and I think it's still published somewhere. If it is, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, it was kind of a half, like, here are all my favorite songs and all my favorite artists. And it was a half kind of a humor article. Like I tried to be fun and funny with it. Um, I'll, I may pull that out and share a little bit of that with folks on the show in a future episode. That's the closest I've ever come. I've never tried to rank anything because I'm, I'm one of those people who feels like, um, music and comedy and movies are not competitions. You don't have to rank people. It doesn't have to be first, second, or third. I've listened to weather veins just as much as I've listened to rust, rust in the rain and they're both amazing and I don't need one of them to be better than the other. Yeah. Um, right. And so that's where I kind of, you know, buy into the Sturgill Simpson argument on the CMAs and whatnot. It's like, this is a lot of bullshit. Um, which by the way, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. This is a good way to wrap this up. Cause we'll talk about talking about awards. Um, the Sturgill Simpson, you know, sort of boycott of the CMAs and whatnot. He was, it was asked about that one time. And if I'm not mistaken, he said, here's what I, here's the lesson that I learned about, uh, awards. I went to visit Merle Haggard before he passed away, went to his house, drove up, walked up on the porch. He had one of those traditional like screen doors and then the door inside. 
The door inside at that, that day when Sturgill Simpson went to visit Merle Haggard was open. And he walked in and he looked down and it had a doorstop. And the doorstop at Merle Haggard's house was the only Grammy he ever won. It was his doorstop. <laughs> he said, that's all I needed to know about awards right there from Merle. There you go. And wise words from Sturgill. Absolutely. Love that guy. Roots Music Rambler is a production of Falls and Partners. Copyright 2023. Our theme music is Sheepskin and Beeswax by Gentacorum. Join us online at rootsmusicrambler.com and make sure you mash that subscribe or follow button so you remember to join us for the next hoedown and throwdown. She's Frank. He's Falls. And whatever you do, kids, ramble on. And you're you're the first person that's been on this show that's got a better beard than me. This is bullshit, <laughs> man. Gotta, Don't be jealous, man. It's all work even on Nathan that. Graham. <laughs> I'm tempted. To, I've got a I've got a pretty decent cowboy hat, not as good looking as yours. I have a pretty <laughs> decent cowboy hat up here. I may pull that down and wear it at some point too. But anyway, all right.